Vestra. The book of Vestra. Yes. So, um, the book of Vestra is one book you're going to find after the sec first and second chronicles. And it's before Nehemiah. Estra is before S Nehemiah, but after Second Chronicles. Interesting thing about the book of Estra is before now, several years ago, um, you have First King, Second Kings, First Chronicle, Second Chronicle. Then first Estra, second Estra. That was what it used to be. But then they changed second Estra to Nehemiah. So you have first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles, second Chronicle, first Estra, second Estra. But that has been changed. That's when you now have Estra, and then the second Estra is pretty much Nehemiah. So, and that is what we want to do today. So the book of Estra, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting book too. I pray Holy Spirit will give us understanding. Um, there are some things that are very important about the book of Estra that we need to pay attention. It has only 10 chapters, 10 chapters. But it has a lot of things, history, and context. I will start reading from chapter 1. Um, but to, to understand it better, uh, it requires that we have some information uh, so that when we're, when we're looking at it, we can actually ask more questions and find those answers there. I'll read chapter 1, and then we're going to explain a bit. Estra chapter 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Parshia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus the king of Parshia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus said Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is Judah. Who's there among you of all these people? Is God be with him and let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel? He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And who should the men of his place help him with silver, with gold, with goods, with animals, beside the free will of offering for the house of God? That is in Jerusalem. 
So let's, let's start the story. It's very important to look at this map because this will help a lot to explain. So the children of Israel were all here. They live right above um, Egypt. Oh, thank you, sir. They live right above Egypt. This is where Jerusalem is in Judah. Uh, but after some time, the children of Israel had a lot of problem. And from Babylon came a king, Nebuchadnezzar, that did not like the children of Israel. So uh, what they did was Nebuchadnezzar went all the way and captured all the people from Jerusalem and then took them as slaves. We remember some of the examples of these people are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He did that for several years, almost 12 to 16 years. He took all of them and put, brought them here. They brought them to Babylon. And that was where most of them were living. And the story we read in the book of Esther was talking about the kingdom. Remember, the palace was at Susa, right here, uh, where Ahasuerus was king. And then after a while, there was another king that was from Parsia, who became so powerful. And then he basically captured all this territory of Babylon, of Nineveh, of Syria, captured everyone. So Cyrus was a king that captured not just everyone, but he captured all the way from India, all the way to Africa, and he became the king. So Cyrus became more powerful, and he basically overtook all these other nations. He took over the Babylonian Empire, took over the Israelite, took over even that area. It became the biggest empire, all the way up to what we call today. This Pasha we're talking about actually is what we call Iran today. So that was the King Cyrus. He now one day decided and said to the people, I want somebody to go and build temple in Jerusalem. We don't know why. He just decided that he wanted someone to, um, he had no had to go back to this place to go and build. He's from here. He had no faith or religion or anything. I think one important thing that we begin to see is some things, they don't make sense when they happen. When God is in control, God can use anyone. I'll read that verse 2 and 3 again. Then Cyrus, king of Persia, we see king of Persia, his kingdom was very big. 
He said, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house. So he's claiming that God told him to build a house for him. So he said, anybody that's willing to go back to Jerusalem should go there and go and build the house of God, of Israel. Because he says that God is the true God. Verse 5. Then rose up the chief, chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, meaning that all the people that wanted to go started carrying silver, gold, goods, animals, all the precious things that they need, they started collecting from people, which is more like the offering that we collect today. They started asking people, we need to go back to Jerusalem, we need to go back to Jerusalem to go and build the house of God, uh, but we need something. We need materials. We need money. So they started collecting offering. But here's the important part of it. It says, only those that are willing to give. The, it's not by compulsion. It's not that they fought for the vessels. Verse 7. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and he had put them in the house of his gods. Let's take a look again. When Nebuchadnezzar, who was a king over Babylon, when he went to capture all the children of Israel and all the good people there, he went there the first time, he captured all the good people. He left people that were not, that were children and everything. Eight years later, he went again and captured. He now went to all the temple. So he went to the temple and took all the golds, all the materials he took and stole all of them. So some of those gold that he stole, he took to Babylon. And we will remember as part of the story, one day when he was having party with all the people, um, he, he asked the, some of the servants to go and bring those things, and they started drinking. And then, So here Cyrus said they should go and take some of those things that Nebuchadnezzar had taken and return them. Verse 8, even those did Cyrus king of Persia bring forth by hand of Mithredath the treasurer and numbered them unto Shabasha the prince of Judah. This is the number, 30 golds, a thousand plates of silver, nine and twenty knives, 30 basins of gold, basically a lot of vessels. All the vessels of gold and silver were 5,400. This man, Sheshbazar, bring up them of the captivity that were brought from Babylon. So they brought all the material and said, well, we will go back and go and build. Question that we want to start asking ourselves is, why would God put it in the heart of Cyrus for the people to go back and go and build. Let me make pre present a picture. Let us assume the President of the United States 
says, for because he's now the biggest man in the world, the Lord has put it in his mind to go and, and develop, let's say, we were talking about this last week, to go and reconstruct all the things in Togo. And everyone that the Lord has put in his heart should go back to Togo freely. And people started raising money to go and build roads and build schools and build hospitals and build things in there. People will first look, what is it that he's trying to do? Why will he, uh, this guy wants us to go there and then so that we won't come back here. What is it that he's trying to do? Why will it be in the heart of the President of the United States to say we should go and build all the great places, especially now when he now talks about the temple of God? But that was what he said. So everybody, the only set of people that were willing to go were the people that came from there. If he talked about, oh, God wanted me to go and build something in uh, Ivory Coast. It's only people that are familiar with the place that we want to go. So the people that are familiar started raising money and materials to go. And the king decided to bring some other materials that were stolen. And chapter 2 was pretty much a list of names of people. We're not going to read through them. I will just read the first Verse in chapter 2, Ezra 2. Now, these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity. Of those which had been carried away from Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one unto his city. So basically, he listed here all the names, at least the ones that they were able to account for, of everyone that, that were kidnapped or taken as slaves by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. By the time Cyrus became king and overthrew all these other people, he basically said everyone that Nebuchadnezzar has taken slaves should go back as free citizens. And then they listed all their names in chapter 2. Now let's look at the last part of chapter 2. From verse 64. The whole congregation together was 42,360. So all the people that were trying to go back to their country were 42,360. Besides their servants and their housemaids, and of whom there were 7,000 337. So there were 42,360 people plus 7,000 servants and housemaids that have been captured by Nebuchadnezzar while released to go back as free people. Their horses, about 736. Their mules, 245, camels, 435, cows, 6,000, 
Verse 68. And some of the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to sin from what they meaning by the time they got back, they were given from what they have left out of their heart. Verse 69. They gave after their ability unto the treasure of the work three scores, which is 61,000 gold, 5,000 pounds of silver, 100 priest garments. So the priests and the Levites and some of the people and the singers and the porters and the Nathanims dwelt in the city and all Israel in their cities. So all the money they needed, they had to raise it from among themselves. The question that we should be asking ourselves is this. Is it possible that one day the Lord will just cause a massive breakthrough and some power, some grace of God will come upon like the President of the United States? And I will say, anyone that is willing to go and take care of everyone that is in Liberia, go and take all the material and go and help, go and do something great. Spiritually, what it means for us is God has power to use anybody to restore. And now when he restores, he expects us to begin to walk in that action, to walk in that action. But we're going to begin to understand some problem here. When people were captured and were taken to Babylon, they've been living there for a while. They're beginning to live the lifestyle of Babylon, the lifestyle of Nineveh. They're beginning to speak the language of Babylon, the language of Nineveh. In fact, most of them have adapted. Just, just like most of us now, we're trying to learn how to speak like Americans. Uh, and it is necessary because that's how you communicate with people here. It's very necessary. They're beginning to adjust. The more important part of it is the, because in Babylon there was no place of worship. They just go there, go to work, do their stuff, play music, eat, see all the people do stuff, watch TV. They didn't have TV at that time. But do all the things that they do in Babylon. So they've forgotten what it means to worship God. In fact, something happened here. This was where, I think we, we turned this to a song that, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we wept. When we remember Zion, for this way they carry us away, captivity, require from us a song. So really that song was talking about their life. So they carried them all the way from Jerusalem as slaves and they brought them to Babylon. And sometime... When people are tired of just talking and having conversations, they will ask them sometimes and say, can you sing the kind of song that you used to sing in Zion when you are in Jerusalem, when you are in Judah? Sing the kind of song. It's like people, can you imagine, over time there is no more church in America. 
Let's assume in 50 years, 100 years, nobody goes to church anymore. We just go to work, we make money, we eat, we watch TV, life is good, everybody's doing stuff that they want to do. And then God raises up another king that says, oh, they say in America, in America there is never going to be church again. But if you want to go back to Africa and go and start a church, I give you freedom. And people start carrying their bags, at least people that know about Africa. will carry their bags and go all the way to Africa and raise some money from here. But while we were here, some people were asking them, sing the song that you used to sing when you were in church. Say the things you used to do. So the people, when they were living here, they, they cried many times because they, they were not getting, um, they couldn't worship God. They, there was no place of worship. There was nobody trying to help. And that is why it is important as we study the book of Esther. It's just 10 chapters. We're going to see quickly how things happen. Let's read chapter 3 so that we can understand. So they went back. They raised money, gold, silver, all the materials they could get. Remember, they still don't have a lot of stuff left. And they started building the church or the temple. Chapter 3, verse 1. When the seventh month was come, after seven months, the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. So everybody came back to Jerusalem. At least those many people that we talked about, about 42,000 plus 7,000. They stood up, Joshua the son of Josadak, and his brethren the priests. Here I want us to pay attention to Joshua in front. Would I hear because it's important for our study. So they brought Joshua in front. They call him Joshua. And his brothers, who are the priests, Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, and his brothers. So Zerubbabel was not a priest. It was Joshua and his brothers that were priests. They brought them forward and said, you guys come forward. So they lined them in front. They called Zerubbabel to come forward as well with his brothers. And then they and built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offering thereof, as it is written in the laws of Moses, the man of God. Why would they bring Zerubbabel? He was not a priest. He didn't know. But we'll find out that Zerubbabel was made to become the governor. Now, let's think of him as the head of the council or the mayor. They just appointed him and say, hey, Zerubbabel, come forward. This will be important for us because um, there are some, these are very critical pieces. You will remember in the book of Zechariah, whenever we quote that scripture that says, it's, it's not by power. It's not by power. It's not by power. It's not by my. It's not by my. By thy spirit is the Lord. What, what happened to Zerubbabel that they just brought forward? That's the story that we're about to read here. They brought Zerubbabel and his brothers to come forward to be leading the people so that they can build the altar. 
they called Joshua and his brothers to be priests. They were all just regular people in Babylon because they've been slaves for a while. Nebuchadnezzar has turned them all around and most of them forgot everything. Now they started to rebuild again. Let's build the altar. Let's build a church. Let's have priests that will be working in church. Let's have leaders that will help us and be talking to other people. Verse 3, Ezra chapter 3, verse. And they set the altar upon the basis, for the fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offering there on, unto the Lord, even burnt offering morning and evening. The question in that verse 3 is, the people, when they started bringing offering and burning offering, they were afraid. They used to do this easily before. But to do it again, fear of the people was upon them. They kept also the feast of tabernacles, as is written, and offered the daily burnt offering. And afterward offered continually burnt offering, both of the new moons and set feasts of the Lord were consecrated. And of everyone that willingly offered a free will unto the Lord. So initially they were afraid to offer to God, or to pray to God, to do anything, but slowly they began to do it again and again. This is very important. This is very important. For people that say they don't want to go to church, when someone starts going to church, they will be afraid of everything. But they need to continue to go until they will get used back to prayers and worship and reading Bible and learning from scriptures. So it's the same way if we, have, if, you, if we see anyone that has abandoned the way of God, let us encourage them. Let us encourage them to give. And now people started giving willingly. People started giving willingly. They gave money. Also, the carpenters, they bring meat and drink and oil on, unto them of Sidon and to the tower to, the to bring trees, cedar trees from Lebanon to see of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus of Persia. So they started bringing more materials, pretty much trying to build the house of God. The last part of this is very simple for us that... Um, now, they've started building, but then they have to lead, uh, lead the foundation. Now, the second year. So, it's now two years that they're coming in. Nothing great has happened. I will read this piece first, and then we'll move to the next section so that we can take questions. In the second year of their coming unto the house of God in Jerusalem, in the second son of and Jeshua, the one they chose as the priest, the son of Jezekiel, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity and appointed for 20, from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the Lord. So, two years later, they said, okay, only people that will be workers are those that are 20 years and above. So they started forming the church, setting workers. 
Then stood Deshua with the sons of his brethren, Camille, the sons of Judah, together forward. I'm reading now, Esther 3, verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple, they set the priests in their apparel, trumpets, songs, they started singing, and the ordinance of the King David of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks. So they basically started having choir. So let's look at it step by step. They came first without having any idea of what they would do. They raised money. They started building. After a couple of months, they appointed Yeshua to be priest, Zerubbabel to be the one in charge of activities. And they started doing offering, the prayers. And before you knew it, they decided that they needed people to walk. And they only chose people that are 20 years older to be walkers. And then they started having choir. They started getting offering from people. They started setting things, but they sang together by course, meaning that they sing one after the other setting things, giving thanks to the Lord because he is good, for his mercies endure forever. And all the people shouted with great joy when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the Lord was laid. So they started building the church. Remember, we say, for the hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation. This is what happened. Zerubbabel was the head. Now they wanted to build a church, a temple. Now they laid foundation with praises and everything. They started a project. That has taken two years because these were slaves. They didn't have money or anything else other than whatever they could get. Now, this is becoming interesting. But many of the priests, I'm reading Ezra 3, verse 12. Many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house, when the foundation of the house was laid before their eyes, they started crying. And many shouted aloud for joy. I want us to be, pick this picture and see it clearly. There were some old people, maybe they were 80 years or 90 years. When they were 12 years old, they were in Jerusalem. They saw how worship was beautiful. Everybody would sing, praise God, go and do things. They captured all of them. They've spent more than 50 years, 60 years in a country where there was no church, no worship, no prayer, no singing, no reading of Torah. Oh, they've forgotten about it. And now when Cyrus declared they came back, most of them now 70 years, 80 years old. And then slowly they started doing something and then they said, let's lay the foundation of the temple. The moment they started seeing people singing, praising God, it came back to them that, oh my God, 70 years ago, we used to do this. We used to worship God. We used to have night VG from 10 o'clock to 5 a.m. Now, you know how we're doing it? We reduce it to four hours, to two hours, to the one hour. It will be five minutes. And before we know it, nobody will go to church again in America. And then when we all grow very old, 90 years, and one King Cyrus will come and say, you can go to Africa if you want. And we start the church there and we see people worshiping God. It will come back to us what we do now and say, oh, wow, we used to go to church. We used to praise God. We used to sing. These people started crying. 
weeping aloud. Everybody could hear them from afar. Now, chapter 4. When the adversaries of Judah, so you would think that they would have no enemy. Can we go back to the previous slide, the other picture? You would think that the slaves that have come back, they will have no enemy. I mean, these were slaves, they're just worshiping their God. What should be the problem? Now, chapter 4. Yes, sir. Cheer up. So the 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 way it was written, it was so the way it was written pretty much means that suddenly it occurred to him. This was not a priest. Because this is one thing that we need to understand about. The people that live in this place, in fact, uh, if we go back to history, so here was where um, Abraham came from originally. When God came and spoke to Abraham, he was right in this place. And here was a place of worship of everything bad. They just worship everything. All kinds of gods are there. In fact, they worship, they come up with all the theory of flood and all the things. They worship all the bad things. In fact, one of the reasons why at least we can figure out from Abraham's life was when God called him, called him out because it was written in some other books that the father of Abraham was pretty much like a voodoo worshiper. So they were not used to God of heaven. Now, if you now come to this place, no, they are just totally, they worship anything they want to worship. They have no knowledge of true God. So, for a king to come out of here, and then the scripture here says, for the spirit of God stared him. What the writer, who was Estra, meant was, it could not have been that this man thought that he wanted to do this thing by himself. So for him to say, okay, you know, if you want to go to your country, you can go, and I really want somebody to go build me a house of God because I know that's a true God. How did he find out? Nobody could explain how Cyrus found out other than the fact that God put it in his mind. So the staring, it's pretty much... Like God just deposited and made him to. Because, and this king's, we saw that King Nebuchadnezzar or Haraseros or all the, or Darius or all the other kings, they have so many people that they talk to when they're making decisions. Substitute. Uh, I mean, when we say substitute, uh, we're recording. So when we say substitute, um, that will assume that, because we're going to see something that happened to Cyrus again <laughs> in the story. If we say substitute, that means we know for sure that something happened, but we don't. Um, in fact, many people have tried to figure out, so what happened to Cyrus? 
you know, what happened to Cyrus? How in the world? Uh, we, we do not have complete picture. We can, we can suggest and look through. Yes. Any other thoughts? I'm sure we're going to find something out about this man. Anyways, now, as we study more. So, yeah, I mean, my own, my own thought is that God stirred his spirit. God just made him make a decision where he felt what's going to happen. It doesn't matter. Or maybe it's important. I don't know. He 